it's just not a real syndrome. What is not? Hello and welcome to the inoculation. Today we're going to look at how anti-vax groups are pushing the idea that vaccination can harm the immune system. So it's not a real syndrome is what Donna Farber, chief of the Division of Surgical Scientists at Columbia University, told Reuters via email. What was she reacting to? You know, she was reacting to a thing called VADES. This is something that I already found that I stumbled across in a tweet last week. VADES is a thing. And so I just started scrolling around Twitter, and that was not the only tweet I found. So I just decided to look around what VADES could possibly mean. So what did you find? VADES are what anti-vaxxers say VADES is. It's, it's a vaccine-acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Um, and it's basically just a new spin on the falsehood that vaccines can make people sick. I think the most famous take on that is probably that childhood vaccinations cause autism, which we know is not true. So first of all, is there any merit to the new No, there's no merit at all. And maybe we'll just take a quick look at the science um, so that you know, so that we can show our listeners that VADES doesn't exist. First of all, VADES sounds like AIDS. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think this is probably um, also just a choice of a name to really scare people because AIDS was for a long time and still is in many parts of the world a life-threatening disease. Contrary to AIDS, which is a real disease with uh, real medicines to cure it, there's no scientific fact um, to back up the claim that VADES does exist. I see that there were fact checks on it back in December. So why are we looking at it now? Well, I think one, it's a really good example how anti-vaxxers work. So how they actually take bits of factual information and weave, weave them together into this one big falsehood. Um, and it also shows how... Uh, then these little falsehoods, they work their way into the mainstream. And then we have, you know, politicians um, picking up on these anti-vax views to score points with voters. I thought only marginal Twitter accounts were making this claim, but a mainstream politician? Yeah, and I think this is surprising because we do tend to think that maybe anti-vaxxers are just uninformed or maybe not that smart. But here we have a U.S. senator saying that it may be true that vaccines against COVID cause AIDS. So this was Ron Johnson, who was, um, who was a senior senator from Wisconsin, which is a fairly high-ranking politician in the United States. And what is it? So basically, it's, it's a, just a fabricated claim that COVID vaccines harm our immune system and, and deplete our body's defenses against illnesses. Are they just saying that, or do the anti-vaxxers have any proof? Well, of course, the anti-vaxxers say they have proof, and the proof they have is a real study. They have a study? Yes, and it's a good study in a well-known medical journal. What? Yes, and they're actually really pushing the fact that there's a study in a journal. Fades is real. But the problem here is, and it's almost like, if it weren't so tragic, it would be really funny. The study doesn't really show in the slightest what the anti-vaxxers says it does show. But what does the study say? 
So the study, it was published in a leading medical journal, The Lancet, and it was conducted by a real physician at a leading Swedish university. What they wanted to actually find out was um, what happens in the, the days and months after people have gotten a vaccination against COVID. So what happens to um, the protection that the vaccines give them? Um, so they looked at how effective vaccinations were at protecting people against infection, hospitalization, and death um, during the first nine months after they received their vaccination. And what did they find out? The study was a really good study. So they had almost a million participants. So 840,000 individuals who were fully vaccinated. And then they had the same number who were unvaccinated. And then um, they followed them for the nine months after the second vaccination. And did they really find that the unvaccinated were better off than the vaccinated participants? No, not at all, of course not. What they did, did see was that over time that the vaccine was less effective over nine months. In the first month, there was still some effectiveness of about 90%. And then the effectiveness started waning. After seven months, the effectiveness was basically non-detectable. Okay, but what, what actually I think is important that the vaccines did continue to protect against um, people having to go to the hospital or people dying from COVID if they were vaccinated. Okay, so that's why we have the boosters. But what do the study findings mean? Well, what they actually did say, and this is what um, the researchers very clearly stated, is that you should get more vaccines. You should actually go get a booster. Not you shouldn't take a vaccine at all, but you should go out and get a booster. What? So the study says get more COVID shots, but anti-vaxxers are claiming that you should get fewer shots. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that extremely crazy? Well, this is just how anti-vaxxers and other peddlers of disinformation work, right? Yes, it, it really is. So we really have to see that they're taking a study conducted by a researcher at a big university, um, published in a really renowned journal, and you know, turning it into the worst kind of vaccine disinformation that's meant to scare people away from taking vaccines and away from uh, protecting themselves. Isn't this what someone called malinformation? Right. And I think that was Brett Schaefer who talked to us last year. He's an analyst at the Alliance for a Secure and Democracy. Look, I just dug out the clip. Let's listen to it. So what we've seen is just this sort of cobbling together um, selective bits of information to create a narrative that is damaging. In malinformation, in some ways, the most difficult to deal with because it exists technically in this sort of world of truth, or at least a sort of gray area of truth. And this is honestly, this is this is what we see with our own partisan news outlets, right? I mean, for the most part, they are not making up stories. There is just this intense sort of selection bias of the stories they cover. Uh, to create this view of the world that they want to pass along to their audience or that their audience is looking for. And, but the problem with this malinformation is when it is technically true, most of our measures to try to mitigate the effects of, of falsehoods are, are based on trying to highlight lies. So if you talk about fact checkers or labeling and all of these things that the social media companies have tried to do, 
it's it's hard to fact check and label a tweet that again it, it's sort of technically true uh but you really need context there and context takes a lot of explanation and it's hard to get across to people okay and where is this idea being spread so we already talked about it last year with uh, Seb Cubbon, who is a research analyst with a background in economics and international relations at First Draft. Okay, and um, what did he say last year? What did he tell us? Kind of actors that typically um, kind of evolve on these sort of more niche fringe communities and platforms try to get their content to be um, diffused on major social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, etc. And then also uh, be reported on by, by mainstream media and you know, talked about by politicians. And, and it's kind of um, uh, a model to, 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 make, to, to try and alert on the dangers of potentially reporting on this stuff when you do have a large audience because obviously you might inadvertently amplify the content itself. Who is pushing it? One of the people who is pushing it is Joseph Merkola. So he's basically one of the people who's been at the forefront of the anti-vaccine movement. Um, what he does is he's made lots of money from selling so-called immunity boosters. He's one of the so-called disinformation dozen, the, the 12 people who push about two-thirds of all vaccine disinfo. Classic. So... We can see the conspiracy spreading on Twitter, but its proponents are also using Substack and other newsletters and Facebook to to transmit their views. Right. And so this is really what's quite dangerous is that, of course, um, often newsletters are not edited. So there's no editorial oversight. And um, this is when when we talked to Seb Kudelman last year, he said that tackling this info will, will just require audiences to become more selective and more informed. Let's listen to what he said. Detailed, um, specific, accurate, nuanced information can never rival sensationalized information in terms of its immediate appeal, in terms of its shape value, etc. So much of the conversation we have around in terms of health communications, well, how can we produce messaging that isn't a 30-page PDF uh, because that's never going to compete with a meme? Um, and there is something to that. There is something to try and kind of simplify uh, messaging and making it more accessible, etc. However, there comes a point where, as I said, nuanced information, text-only information, that isn't supplemented with kind of visual and emotive means can't compete. And that's where I think we have to redirect efforts towards making sure that people are less uh, prone to uh, being attracted by sensationalized content to make sure that, um, yeah, as I said, critical thinking, media literacy, um, all these things. And and obviously these these are more long-term solutions, but... I think that, as I said, it comes to the point where we we, we can't make uh, accurate information that often is is, is detail heavy as appealing as a, as a funny meme that might actually itself contain this information. And so that's right. where I think we really need to make sure that um, it becomes appealing by having by uh, developing people's. Uh, uh, you know, receptiveness to different types of content and appreciating that just because something might be appealing might not necessarily be true. And okay, so that was really interesting. And this is, I don't think this is going to be the last conspiracy theory we hear of. 
So, but I don't think it's fair to say that, I mean, it can't only be on consumers to educate themselves. Yeah, exactly. And how much research can a single individual make uh, for every claim they see on social media? So this is going to need a long-term multi-pronged solutions. I totally agree with you. We will keep following this topic as always. If there's anything that we should know, please send us a tip. And don't forget that when we are not releasing new podcast episodes, we are sending a newsletter. And our newsletter is very carefully verified. So do subscribe to it on our website at www.theinoculation.com. If you want to find our podcast, we are on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, everywhere actually where you like to listen to podcasts. If you are looking for a transcript, the transcript is on our website and that's www.theinoculation.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you. Bye. Bye for now.